So I'm following on from Matt. Last week he kicked off the series of worshippers and he was, um, he was talking about how we all um, develop cravings or even addictions to things in life. But the fact is that we were created, like our design, our DNA is to have a connection to God who brings us into the fullness of life. So I'm going to be talking tonight about our hearts being obedient. I've got that word, obedience, and how our hearts are being obedient to God and how that is worship. But since I've mentioned the word obedience, I realize it's a tricky word, and I'm sure all of you are thinking of all sorts of things now about that word. I can imagine you are thinking that maybe it's not such a positive word, is it? Our experience, our life experience, and our culture that kind of really feeds into that, doesn't it? And perhaps you're also thinking of a story when you haven't been so obedient. Maybe you've broken the rules slightly. Well, I remember a story about my past when I was growing up, when I was sort of in my teenage years. There was somebody I had got to know, and as I got to know them more and more, I realized that their character didn't quite match up, and I started to feel like I didn't really respect them very well. And so what happened was I had this moment when I realized I don't respect you. That means I'm not really going to listen to you and I'm not going to really do whatever you want me to do because I don't respect you. And it was a really, I remember that being a really profound moment in my life. Also, in my family, I was the youngest and my brother and sister were a whole heap older than me. And um, I generally tried to toe the line. But my brother did call me the black sheep, which I know is hard, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Really hard. I was a really sneaky thing. I did a lot of, on the surface, lovely, behind people's backs, I got up to all sorts of mischief. I hated, hated being found out. Or we can think about rules and how they actually make us feel. Things that tie us down, restrict us. Somehow we become less or not more. Maybe that's how it makes us feel. So what is this? What is obedience? And what is the link to worship and that heart worship of God? So I believe that we were created with choice, with real choice. That's one of our biggest gifts that God gave us, but it calls all sorts of nonsense and trouble, doesn't it? We have this freedom to choose. And God's longing is that we choose to connect with him who loves us, But the thing is, we're not going to be fully cultivated into that fullness of life and character unless we also choose to look to him and make his ways our ways. And that's a life of making choices to develop ourselves to love God and love others. So I'm going to be reading from Isaiah, right at the beginning of Isaiah. And I'm going to break the rules a little bit here because I'm going to do something really naughty. I'm going to read um, from two different versions in one go. (laughs) But there's a reason for that. So I'm going to read the first first verse from the NIV and the rest is from the message because I think it reads better from the message. So just to put it in context, Isaiah is talking to the people of Israel, the people of God, um, But at the start, he's comparing them to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is pretty awful. They remembered as the most evil of God's people. So, um, yeah. So here we go. Isaiah 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And the rest is from the message. Why this frenzy of sacrifices, God's asking, 
Don't you think I've had my fill of burnt burnt sacrifices, rams and plump, grain-fed calves? Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls and lambs and goats? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of, of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship... Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings. Meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion. While you go on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go bat for the defenseless. Big words. So the opening of this great book of Isaiah was written by the prophet Isaiah. He was calling the people back to him, back to full heartfelt worship. And this was wrapped up in the concept of obeying God's instructions. But they were full of religious practices. We could see that, you know, outwardly obeying showy rules, but with hearts that were hard and not soft towards God. They were neglecting the most crucial themes of God, love and justice. So I think the start and the finish of that is probably the most important, where, where all the kind of stuff I want to talk about is. Um, I had a moment of truth when I was reading a novel in the summer. I was sort of thinking about this word obedience. I was reading a novel on holiday and a lovely, lovely book, really enjoyed it. And um, in this book, there's this young teenager. Her mum dies, so her stepmum comes in and she's not having a great time with this stepmum, to be honest, not going very well at all. And this other lady that she really respects comes in and says to her, you know, you would do well to listen to your stepmum. And the, and the girl replies very quickly. She says, when you say listen, you mean obey. <laughs> and it was like a, a, a drop into my heart. I thought, that's it, isn't it? To listen is to obey. To obey is to listen. And it's mentioned, that's why I use the NIV, because it's mentioned twice in the beginning of that. Listen here. Really important when something is said twice in the Bible. This call to listen, really important. And the thing is, I thought about this word listen a fair amount. In the word, in Hebrew, the word, there isn't a word for obey in the Bible. The word is listen. And it actually has, it sort of has two meanings. It means obey and listen and obey in that order, I guess. And the word is shema. And I looked in the Bible project, had a little look at this. And the shema is actually a prayer. So this word to listen is made into a whole prayer that Jewish people would say twice a day. So Jesus grew up saying this prayer. And this is the shema, the listen. So shema, O Israel, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is our God. The Lord is one. And as for you, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And it's taken from Deuteronomy. So that's this two sides of the same coin. Listen and obey. Listen and do. Listen and respond. Listen and love even. 
So Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, this is a quote from him. Obedience to those laws were never about legalism or trying to earn God's favor. Obedience in the Old Testament is about love and listening. And if an Israelite loves God, it will make it easier to listen and absorb his teachings and guidance. This is why the words listen and love are so tightly connected and repeated throughout these opening speeches of Deuteronomy. And we recognize those words, don't we? That, that those words are familiar to us because Jesus used them as the greatest commandment. And in John 14, he reflected on them again. He said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. So last week, I really enjoyed Matt's talk. And he, he mentioned... Um, about how our lives are hyper-individualistic. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Hyper-individualistic. We can end up worshipping ourselves. And even in the church, there's a slight danger in thinking that our worship to God is really about what's in it for me. So I'm going to just mention the Queen here, because I think her, her life is such an, such an incredible um, thing for us to think about at this time. Well, I don't know what your thoughts are about the monarchy, but it's hard not to appreciate the life of commitment to her initial oath to serve her country. She followed through in her outward service and in her inner life. Her inner life was kind of a reflection of that, and people talk about it a lot now. More and more, as she got older, she pointed to Jesus. She actually said that he was her anchor. Now, on her cor- coronation, I don't know if you've heard this, on her coronation ceremony... She walked past her throne to kneel quietly in prayer at the altar, and I think it demonstrated her commitment to God first. So a while back, in the morning service, I did a talk about King David. So here's another example from the Old Testament, the second king of Israel. He was a person who was known in the Old Testament for outrageous worship. He danced, he sang, he played instruments, but he was known more for listening to God and acting out God's plans, not his so much so that he, he often took off his like physical clothes that represented his authority and his capabilities, identity that he was entitled to and swapped them for clothes that better fitted what God was kind of up to. So he swapped his armor for his shepherd outfit and his swing when, when he defeated Goliath. And he took off his kingly robes and put priestly robes when restoring God's presence to the people of Israel when he brought the ark back. So this is worship and love of God expressed in action. Putting God and his agenda right in the center of our lives. Not me focused, not project self, but God focused. So I'm just quickly going to separate out listening and doing those two sides of, the, of that just for a moment. So firstly, listening to God is really that, isn't it? It's listening to God. This is our attention, right? Our focus, our ability to hear and take it in. So my daughter, when I was little, when, when she was a toddler, I used to hold her and I was chatting to people and she used to get really fed up. So she physically used to take my face, so I can't do two hands, like, like that. She used to do that and she used to turn physically my face round to face her. I mean, it was, it was crazy, isn't it, that she would do that. But why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to give God our full attention? I wonder what we listen to the most. There's an awful lot vying for our attention. We live in an attention economy. Our attention is, I I think, probably one of the most valuable things we have to give. When we use tech, 
in so many forms. We are the customer, aren't we? Not the product. These big companies are very clever in stealing our attention, using distraction and addiction, all sorts of things. But our original design was always to give our attention to God. This means a choice to focus on him. I don't know about you, but I often have the attention span of a gnat. But it takes time being intentional. Sometimes really simple, obedient practices like having time away from devices, from the busyness of life, a Sabbath perhaps, giving time to Jesus to hear what he's saying through the Bible and in prayer. So in the summer... I heard Pete Gregg talk, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. And he was talking about his book, which is all about listening to God. And he was saying that the Bible is the real authority of of God speaking into our lives. That's the real authority. When we want to hear God, the Bible is it. And I also think it's about hearing what God is saying without an agenda of what we want or how we want God to kind of do it. And then doing, having a heart that says yes to God. So when I heard um, Pete Gregg speak, he kept repeating some really uncomfortable words that got right under my skin. He kept saying in his kind of relationship and conversation with God, he would say, the answer is yes, God. Now what is the question? Crumbs. A willingness, a softness, an ultimate trust that God's direction and instruction for us is good. And Pete called this yes state of our hearts yielding. I don't know if that's easier than obey. I don't know. Is yielding easier than obey? That state of heart that says yes. So here we are this evening. I've done a bit of reading of God's word. I've kind of thought about it. I've wrestled with it. I'm kind of giving it to you, giving my thoughts to you. In a minute, what we're going to do is we're going to have a chance to talk about it. You're going to ask me some questions. But then what? what? What do we do with it? You know, what do we do with the stuff that we hear? Well, home groups are great places to take that further as well and to wrestle with what now do we do. I remember hearing a really uh, famous international speaker. She came to a church, she kind of moved overseas to speak to a church. And she challenged them to really see the poor around the church building, to really notice them and do something about it. And then she said, and even bigger challenge. She said, I'm not coming back to this church unless I hear that you have done something about this. Wow, that is quite a challenge, isn't it? I don't know, maybe that's a bit arrogant or maybe it's a call to love. And sometimes it's really hard to hear what God is actually asking us to do. You know, how or what are we meant to obey, actually? That's a real question, isn't it? But these passages in Isaiah were saying, don't get wrapped up in empty religious stuff. Those words, those words at the end that say, learn to do good, which then unpacked as justice, defending the oppressed, standing up, caring for the defenseless, those who need love the most. Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. So just to finish, I'm going to say that right at the beginning... I started by giving you that story of thinking that, you know, I couldn't listen to somebody that I didn't respect. The thing is, the more we we get close to God and connect with him, the more we realize that his love for for us and others is, is absolutely boundless. It's full. It's perfect. It took Jesus to the cross. And our response is really just love to that. 
and we love because he first loved us. So I would say, follow God's lead. He doesn't ask everything. It's not all at once. He's gentle with us. He may be nudging you into something to forgive, to get involved with something, maybe the single parents' fair, to look out for somebody specific at work, maybe to switch off your phone for a day. These things are worship. So often obedience is choosing to change our inner self so we can outwardly love. Can we, like my daughter, turn, turn our attention to Jesus just for a bit? Can we be brave and willing to say yes and follow through? The answer is yes. What is the question?